today on the Kanadi Experience podcast, we are very excited because we actually have two of our clients here to talk about hunting plans and habitat plans. So to start, we'll just introduce ourselves like normal. I'm Desiree. I'm here to co-host and host with um, Nate and Joe. And we also have, do you guys want to say hi? Hi, everybody. Good morning, everybody. They're sharing a mic, so they have to go back and forth. Joe and I are very close. <laughs> this makes you a little extra close, right? Absolutely. I like you, Joe. And then we have Mark. Hello, everybody. And Trent. Good morning, everyone. And today we're just going to talk a little bit about um, their backgrounds, how they found Kanadi and their properties and what they're doing differently on each property. So this is going to be a very casual conversation. You guys can ask each other questions. Um, and we'll start with uh, Trent's background. Okay. So I, um, I'm a Stearns County farm kid. I live in Hastings, Minnesota now. Been down there since uh, probably 2002, 2003. But grew up in St. Wendell on a pig farm. And uh, went to Holding Ford High School, where uh, where Nate was my my basketball coach. I think when I was like in fourth grade. Yeah. Um, and uh, to be honest, from a from a hunting perspective, my dad had always been a walleye fisherman, and and I loved going going fishing with him. We do day trips up to Mille Lacs, but we never he never hunted. And um, from the time I probably was six years old, I can remember being interested in archery, and you know would make bows out of any piece of wood and string I could find and run around the pig farm and <laughs> and uh and my parents were nice enough I think I was nine at the time they took me to archery country and uh I they I started shooting a bow and started getting into it and started competing actually um this is a little known secret but when I was 12 years old I was a state indoor champion in archery See, this is what I nice. didn't know about yeah, cool. so I, I think my picture is still at the <laughs> archery country unless since it's changed hands now in a box back so. in the back that was I'm going I mean, there today. I'll look for that it. That was like when it was Wes and Lane and the guys that yep. owned it, you know, many, many years ago, right? So that's how I got into to archery. And I wanted to hunt, but my dad didn't hunt. I know you guys talk a lot about um, you know, legacy, helping kids get into hunting and doing these things. So my neighbors, I'll give a shout out to the Hall's family, um, Matt and, and Tom, and they took me along, got to go hunting uh, up north to Black Duck, Minnesota. I remember sitting in nine inches of snow when I was 12 years old with <laughs> with a borrowed rifle, and he gave me a can of coal to light in case I got cold. Um, pretty funny, great experiences, but I just love being in the outdoors. So, um, you know, was given that opportunity, and uh, years later I've had uh, more and more hunting experiences and opportunities just because people invited me to do so. And um, now I hunt down in Cottage Grove. I bow hunt because a, a close friend and a guy that I worked for for many years has land and, uh, you know, is generous with it to give me an opportunity to bow hunt there. My son took a nice 10-point uh, buck this year off of that land, uh, his first archery buck. Um, cool. So I've got four kids today, um, uh, senior in high school, freshman, and, and two fifth-grade girls, so two boys and two girls. So they're big into basketball, mostly um, some soccer and some softball. And so we're chasing them all over. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll try to speed this up a little bit. But but my story as it brings me to Nate was um, my dad, after he retired, started hunting with some of his buddies around Swanville. 
And that was kind of interesting to me. And it was like, okay, well, you didn't hunt the whole time I was growing up, but now, <laughs> now you're going to go hunting. And um, a friend had offered to take my son, Owen, who's now 18, almost 18, when he was 11 or 10, on the youth hunt down in Wabasha, Minnesota. And so we went, and, I mean, just phenomenal memory. I still get goosebumps for him and for me where, you know, he hunted hard Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the other two boys we were bit with both shot deer. They're sleeping in Sunday, and, and it's cold, and he says, Dad, I want to go, I want to go. And he shot a doe from 70 yards with open sights on a 20-gauge slow. Oh, my God. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. It was that's a prayer. Cool. There was a prayer that was answered that day. Um, you know, tears came to his eyes, and, and he was hooked. And uh, so then it became, as he got older, this was a, a land that we no longer had access to. It, it was only for the youth hunt. And so I rented land up in Mille Lacs for a year, brought my two boys at that time now, 15, no, probably 13 and 10. And we put up six stands that year, took out six stands, worked our butts off and saw and shot one doe. I think there was a group of eight of us that rented that land. So it was just a ton of work. And I thought, you know, my kids are going to give this up if I keep putting them through that kind of hell. Um, cause it, it is, you know, it's hard if you don't have access to land, you don't know somebody, public land can be really intimidating. Um, you know, if you, if you're not familiar with the area. So, uh, so I started my search for land and that was 2019 and, uh, fortunate enough, I've been, uh, 20 plus years in high tech space. Uh, so I work for a company called Evolving Solutions and we provide, you know, data center infrastructure, compute server technologies to large companies. And uh, saved up some money and, and bought a 126-acre piece of land uh, north and east of Hinkley. Uh, so if you're familiar with where the St. Croix National Forest is, we're about four miles east and north on the Minnesota side, about eight miles from Danbury, uh, close to the Namaji Forest. Uh, very dense. It had been bow hunted for the last 20 years, um, but very dense woods. And uh, we end up having to um, do some planning. And so the first part of that planning was I, I started thinking about harvesting the forest, tim you know, hiring somebody to come in and take the timber. And I actually got a bid for that. And I was pretty excited when he said, you know, <laughs> we're going to cut you a check for $17,000 yeah. roughly. And the more and more I started researching that and talking to people, I mean, they, they likely were going to come in and just as you would expect somebody in the business of timber to do to, you know, demolish the forest, right? And sure, it would be good when you got a couple years of browse uh, coming back and then after that, you're left with nothing, right? You don't really have a woods anymore. So I wanted a better plan. I knew it wasn't going to put money necessarily in my pocket. It would take some investment. But, you know, this for me now is all about leaving a legacy. So my kids are into it. Now my dad is hunting with us. Um, he still hasn't shot a deer yet on that property. So dad, we're, we got to make it happen here. One of these you years. You need a wing and a uh, prayer for him. One day. <laughs> Maybe we should uh, get the 20 gauge at the open go. sites and see what he can do. The rest of us <laughs> have had a lot of success and, uh, we've taken, you know, we've taken anywhere from five to as many as seven deer the last three years. This year was, was light. It's the first year that zone is, uh, is, is does only, um, but I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, how I was going to do the, the wildlife management plan. And uh, an old high school mutual friend of Nate and I's, Tom, had said, you know, Nate was, was, was 
was building this company and, and uh, I should reach out. And that's when I did. And Nate and Ryan came up. We walked the site twenty in the fall of 2020. The spring was April. It was spring? Yep. Was it spring? Yep, okay. It was April. Yeah, so you right. bought that property what year? 2019 it would have been. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right there, right when the whole COVID thing was starting to go down, I That's thought right. this would yeah. be, was and my timing was perfect because I was ahead of the real estate boom, yeah. so it worked out. It was blessing, true blessing. Yeah, and we're looking forward to hearing more. We're going to get more into detail about uh, about Trent's plan and and his vision. But Trent, I had never heard this before from you. This is the first I'd heard of you know uh, of the the local family taking you hunting. I mean, I think you hear a lot of stories about people that that uh, have that person taking you under their wing. And we don't realize those relationships. When you start to see how emotional a land is and, and just in general, um, I know, Mark, we've talked to several times about that emotional connection that we have with land. But I didn't know this about you, which is why you're here today. Yep. So the listeners are, are getting a treat with the two of you here today. Yeah. So why don't we dive into Mark Mark's story a little bit? So then we can start... Okay. How much time do we have? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I tell long stories, so I'll start at the beginning. I was born on March 1st, 1961. Okay. <laughs> uh, so um, I got involved in, so my background, I, I, uh, I'm a banker, retired banker, retired three years ago, but have always been interested in agriculture and farming and wildlife. My dad was an extension agent, if you know what that is. They help farmers. They're, it's a government position, and uh, they used to call them county agents. And so he, uh, I would go with him on farm visits, and I just loved being outside. He was a hunter, and so he took me hunting. I started, begged and begged and begged for a shotgun because we duck hunted mostly back in that day. And... Um, he bought me a single-shot 12-gauge Stevens shotgun. It kicked like you <laughs> Kicked like a mule? But I loved it. I thought it was so great. I don't think I was a very good shot, but I was able to go, to go duck hunting. You know, did all the gun safety training and all that. And so we hunted on the farm that he grew up on, and he and two of my uncles owned that farm. And... Uh, uh, duck hunting back then, and uh, this is by Little Falls, Minnesota, Bell Prairie Township, um, was really good. We got all kinds of ducks. It was so much fun. And there were pheasants around back then up there, and so we'd pheasant hunt without a dog. Every once in a while, we'd get a pheasant. There were no deer. We did not deer hunt at all. Our deer population up there was minuscule. Um, so I started deer hunting because he took me with him when I was 16. We went out to Wyoming. And I just was hooked. It was so great. So then the next year, okay, you could buy a deer license and in Minnesota. So we did. And uh, we didn't know how to deer hunt. Because in Wyoming, we did drives and that was it. Mm -hmm. So we would climb into an oak tree in the branch and just sit there and freeze our tail off and never saw a deer. Uh, I remember one year, um, maybe two years after that, I was up there with him, and we were going to cut down a pine tree. Years and years ago, we had planted um, windrows because it's so sandy up there with, with pines. And we cut one down for a Christmas tree, and I crossed the, the row, and there was this beautiful buck standing there. It was probably <coughs> a you know, 
eight or ten point buck, and back in that day, that was just so awesome. And it just louted across the field, and is like, we got to do something here. So we built, um, you know, stands with with uh, um, just junk wood and sat in those. And finally, we're starting to take a little deer, and I got my cousin Jerry involved, and uh, or probably my dad got him involved, and and uh, and so the three of us would start hunting and just kind of fell in love with it. So fast forward, my dad and two uncles bought the farm across the street and <clears throat> then they split the farms. One uncle had passed. So the remaining two brothers, one took the home farm and the other took the farm across the street. And that was my dad. So we planted windrows on that sandy soil and farmed it. It was uh, row crops and that's all we did. And, um, so as I got older and was able to, uh, learn a little bit more about land management, I said, well, I could do some of this stuff myself. So I had a couple of ponds dug in. Um, I did some food plots where I thought they'd be good, a good spot and had more deer on our property because of that. But then I, I just realized with all this property, um, we can do more with it. There, there, there's so much more. And so I wanted to do more. And I talked to, I think it was somebody at the Stearns, no, excuse me, Morrison County Soil and Water District. And they told me about Nate and what Nate's doing kind of on the side. Because you were still working for Stearns County, I think, at that yeah, point, right? Yeah, I was at that time, yeah. Yeah. And we got together and walked it with uh, Joe and Nate and I think Ryan too, mm-hmm. right? I think so. And... Um, you guys um, did a plan for me and for my cousin Jerry uh, on the on his farm across the, the across the street, and it's been a labor of love since then. It has been so much fun. I've been spending way more time up there doing what we're doing than I ever expected, and actually now the wildlife land management part has become as much or more of a hobby for me as the hunting. I mean, certainly love the hunting, and um, it, I got a grouse last week up there with my dog pointing it, and it flushed, and I was able to get it. So much fun. But then I'm always thinking, okay, do I need to two more oak trees, or do I need to do whatever? And so it's been so much fun. I, but I, I started doing it all because I wanted to give back because my dad got me involved in hunting, and I wanted to do something where – somebody down the road can enjoy it as much as I have. My four kids, uh, they're all older now. They're all out of college and, and employed and, and doing their thing. We're all involved in, spo- in sports too, basketball, um, volleyball, um, softball, you, you name it, they were doing it. And we went everywhere like Trent is doing with them. If I could go back in time, I would get them more involved in the outdoors yeah. because um, – I, I don't, they don't have that, um, desire like, like I would, would have hoped they have. Uh, they're all fantastic people and I love what they're doing and I love who they are, but I wish they'd spend more time with me there. So I'm hopeful one of their spouses, maybe down the road wants to do all that. In the meantime, um, I'm kind of doing this also for my dad cause he got me involved and he's 92 now. I still, he's in a wheelchair. He had a stroke five years ago. Uh, 
Um, I take him out deer hunting and turkey hunting. I mean, we've got lots of turkeys up That's there, so cool. and he loves it. He loves it so much, and and he's been successful. He gets a turkey almost every year up there. He shot at deer. He got a little one a couple years ago, and um, this year we didn't see any deer, but it's so much fun being out there with him. One of my sisters joined us this year deer hunting. She's never deer hunted at all. She just wanted to experience it, so it's been really fun doing those kind of things. That's an awesome story. I love those stories about your dad. I think the one story you told me about the blind blowing over, remember the blind blew off of him and he's sitting in his wheelchair, but Mark, you go and pick him up at the, at the, at where yeah, he's yep, assisted living assisted or nurse. Living. Yeah, yeah. So where he's at yep. now and take him yep. out. And we all hope someday as we give back that our children will do that same thing. And you forgot about the grandkids because grandkids might be coming along oh so boy. those are the ones that are going to be yeah. whether it's your kids or not those are going to be the yeah. ones that absolutely that and i will love i've brought other people up there who have been hunters and even haven't been hunters. i brought a 12 year old uh, boy up there a couple years ago turkey hunting and boy did we work hard to get him on a bird and we did but he missed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all part of it too. Uh, yeah, but it it's just fun to to get um, you know the younger generation involved in it. Yeah, very much so. So yeah. So when, um, at what point did you like? What year did you contact Kanadi? Oh, um, it was about twenty twenty. Yeah, I think yeah. it's twenty twenty as well. Twenty twenty. Yeah, and when we walked out there, and these guys, and you, they're they're all really experts at what they're doing. And so they're saying, well, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this, but we'll put together a plan for you. Yes. And my head was just spinning. He's like, seriously, yeah. we can do all this? And that's probably, wait a minute, you think that they're, you know, uh, historically this was a lowland and it maybe held water? I can't believe it. It's all sand. But, <coughs> excuse me, they were right. And, uh, you know, and what's cool about Nate and Joe is, Along the way, I'll have a question. You know, they put together, they, they seeded my whole property with native uh, grasses and pollinators and then planted, I think it's 22 acres of oak trees yep. and 10 acres of a pine plantation. So that was the big job. That was two years ago. Since then, if I have a question, I call them up and they are happy to talk to me and give me advice. And it's, you know, I remember Joe was telling you, oh, I got some oak trees that died, which is going to happen. Well, just take some acorns and scratch them in, you know, inch or two under the ground or under the tube you have for that oak tree, and that will sprout the next spring. And um, that's a great little tip. So things like that are really fun to have. Yeah. I think the importance of planning here, I think starting with a plan, I think that's the reason you two are here today. Number one, to tell your story. Number two, to talk a little bit about the importance of planning. Because, you know, Joe and I, you've heard this several times, Joe, you know, and uh, the uh, landowner will talk to Joe and say, well, I'd like to put a food plot over here. Well, what's the purpose of that food yeah. plot? Why is that food plot there? How do you get into your location? You know, those types of things. So, Mark, we planted, I think, 6,250 trees on your property with your assistance, um, you know, as part of that larger project because Mark right. was looking at the big picture. Yeah, yeah, and it's taken off. Now, so tomorrow, if, uh, if the conditions are right, we're actually going to do a prescribed burn on, oh, cool. on one of the uh, prairie uh, grass fields that you planted for us. So, um, you know, it'll, and actually I came up with this. I didn't come up with this idea. Joe did. I told him I'm struggling with 
Um, you know, with, we've had pretty much a drought the last two years. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so the, the prairie grasses that Kanati planted um, are there. They've sprouted. The pollinators have really done well, but they're kind of stunted. And it's because um, there's still so many weeds in those fields, even though we treated before we planted. So Joe said, well, why don't you burn it? Burning is a great way to jumpstart native prairie grasses and pollinators. So uh, we're going to burn one field (coughs) hopefully tomorrow, and then next spring um, the rest of the fields. I've already dissed around all the fields, so I've got that non-burnable area. So we're ready to roll and hopefully starting tomorrow. Sounds like you're going to have a lot of fun tomorrow. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I might be in Little Falls. Bring some hot dogs. In the fridge behind Trent in the office here, there's some bush light. I'm sure that'll make its way up there as well. I think the one, I think that's the biggest thing with you guys. I think, you know, whether they're our customers, and yes, this is a podcast about what Kanadi can do, but I will never forget when we went to your place that night after we were done seating. And I got a text from my wife asking where we were. Well, lo and behold, Joe and Jerry and Mark and I and a friend of theirs um, ended up having some beverages and just enjoying each other's company. And I think that's really what this is about. It's about that relationship. And that friend, by the way, became a customer of yours, too, uh, um, just this last year. Yeah. Did you ever make them steaks that night, Mark? (laughs) 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 Never got around to the steaks. (laughs) Do you feel like your mindset has changed on land management a little bit now since you kind of tr- were tried oh to boy. do it for your first yeah. yourself? No and question. Now. No question. Um, I, you know, I thought I had learned uh, a lot just by reading articles, and yes, you can, but I was far from an expert and far uh, um, underestimating what kind of value I can add from a wildlife perspective if you do it right. And I've seen, I mean, I... I you know, uh, a side effect was I got a grouse, and I haven't seen grouse up there in years and years and years. So I'm doing this for, um, you know, from a wildlife perspective for deer and turkeys, mm-hmm. but it also impacts, well, ducks. I put up a bunch of wood duck houses because now I've got more ponds and more water for them. And the brushy areas, that's the grouse love to eat that browse too and, and you know, nest in it and whatever. So... I wouldn't have ever thought of that, and I, I think we're just starting. I, you know, that's one thing I've learned. I don't think you'll ever be done with what you can do, you, and, and it's improving every year. You know, we've only now been in it to th- for three years. Every year I can see it getting better and better. And yeah, we, it, we're getting pictures. I didn't see any big bucks during daylight this year, but I got the pictures of them on yeah. my cameras. Yeah, they're there. <laughs> And it's a journey, not a destination. If it's exactly. something you think you can get done in one year, that's that's. But Mark, you had an opportunity to leverage some programs to to do the things that you wanted to do, and then give you a little bit of income back. So I think right. when we yeah. start looking with landowners and start working with people, we usually develop a plan that takes income generation into account. Um, and so you were able to leverage that and get a little bit of money to pay taxes and things like exactly. that. Yeah. Trent, your story is a little bit different. Um, you know, you talk about the logger coming in and giving you a, a bid. Um, we're not best friends with uh, a lot of the loggers. Are <laughs> well, I don't, those wildlife people? They they have different goals, and that's yeah, that is totally. exactly correct. Yeah. So maybe talk a little bit about Trent. Your journey was a little bit different when it came to income generation and what you've done on your property. Maybe tell the listeners kind of what what Joe and his team has done. Joe can fill in on some of the some of the things that they you've done up there. 
Yeah, I, I mean, first and foremost, this uh, the plan in buying this property was, you know, as you guys have talked about many times, to build a legacy for my family, for my kids. Um, it's clearly an investment. You know, I, I don't feel like um, at any point down the road, you, you know, we're going to lose on this property, you know, in any way. Um, but we want to continue to invest in it and the goal to invest in to make it um, great habitat, certainly first and foremost for deer. We have a lot of grouse. You guys probably, I know you've mm-hmm. seen them when you've been yes. up there working. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of grouse. People are asking me to hunt grouse up there and I'm going, well, you're going to have to wait till after the deer hunting season. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, as we started looking at it, I've got pockets of different types of timber. There's some pine, there's a lot of oak, but very, very thick. And, you know, it's rifle, rifle zone. And you probably, at the time when we first started, you weren't going to have more than a 20 yard shot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you didn't even need a shotgun. I mean, <laughs> a 20 gauge open sights is all you needed. <laughs> and, and there were trails from the original hunters, but the people who owned the property before us primor- primarily were, were, were bow hunters, were archers. And so they didn't open it up a lot. The woods wasn't opened up. And, and um, for me and my dad, Hopefully my four kids, I now have two. In fact, my daughter went on youth hunt this year, so I have three that have been hunting. Um, and then my good friend, Dean, um, who's the one who originally invited my oldest son to youth hunt, you know, 10 years ago now or whatever it's been, eight years ago. He and his boys hunt with us. Um, and his daughter came. They're all the same ages as my kids. And it's just, it's great memories. Um, Dean is phenomenal at making sausage (laughs) and so couldn't ask for a better partner in crime (laughs) um and uh he'll probably hear this too so that's a shout out to my good friend dean but um and and then you know so so we wanted the property to hunt bigger and you know so that we could put you know 126 acres can we get four five six stands out there where come rifle season we can have deer camp there's a cabin on the on the property, so you know we we all come together and, and stay there for three four days and bunk up together, and it's just just phenomenal memories. And um, so so when we started working with you guys, the plan was to clear some trees. Um, I want to say I don't know the exact number, but we've probably cleared fifteen acres. Yeah, we're getting close to that now. Um, you know, when you start a plan like that, and that's a lot of people get overwhelmed, you get a plan and it's like the blueprint I always tell people to a house. Well, a lot of people can look at a blueprint and kind of figure out what a house is going to look like. But most people have no idea where to start. Yeah. And that's, we get a lot of questions on like, what's the first step? And, you know, the other statement I make to people a lot of times is, you know, the beautiful egg fields that you see out there today didn't get that way overnight. It's years of picking rocks and taking stumps out. And so it is a process and and you just have to set yourself up and be patient. You know, it it just takes time, you know, to get these fields developed. And, but we were along the, there along the way, as, as Mark stated, if you have a question or if you need help, we love talking with people. We love helping and, and we're there to help people where, where needed. But yeah, your property now, well, I believe we're at the point that we're not opening it up anymore. Yeah, ground. so so we spent two years. Um, you know, I, d- I didn't have the money to probably do everything all in one shot, so we kind of looked at the end state plan and said, let's get as much done for this amount year one, and then came back around year two and, and opened up some more. 
this past year was really nice because it opened up the trails really wide for us. Um, so I've got a phenomenal trail system through that forest right now. And, um, and some other, some other things that, that we've accomplished. We, you know, I've got bordering property that I kind of wanted to try and move the deer off of, um, for a number of reasons, just, you know, to, to, to hold them north of the property closer to the Creek. Um, and, uh, and so I think we're, we're making the right moves in the right direction, but it's going to take time to your point, the, the, the food plots that we have in now, you know, the next steps will be to Joe's point, nurturing and and getting the rocks out of those and getting them to plant better and easier. You know, my hope is someday I'll have a, you know, my own little piece of equipment that I don't have to call Joe anymore, but uh, we're not, we're not there for a little while. I hope you still call it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll still call for ideas for sure. But to get it, you know, but it's going to take years. It doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, I do, I do, I do think about five, six, seven years from now going, man, it'll be nice to just be able to get up there, get in those food plots and rip them up and plant something. Right. And, uh, and saying, you know, the first two years we cleared a lot of woods. I would, I would call that, Joe, I'd call that construction. You know, there's no sanctuary in the woods when you're in there with the, uh, with the grapple (laughs) and the, uh, and the chainsaws and everything else that we were doing. I mean, we, we cleared a lot of thick woods. So now it's about getting food uh, over the next two, three years into those food plots to a point where um, we see a lot of deer. Uh, we see a lot of bucks that look to be older in size, but small racks. And, um, you know, listen to a lot of the uh, things that Nate has said and, and uh, relative to nu- nutrition and how important that is. So that's, that is the plan now from an implementation perspective is to really get, I think, honed in on what we're going to plant, when we're going to plant it, how we're going to plant it uh, year after year from this per- from this point forward. Joe, you agree? I agree. I mean, it, starting out, um, you know, on food plots like yours, just, you know, we have a lot of roots in the ground yet. We have a lot of rocks on the, you know, plots. Um, every year we keep cleaning, but that's going to... Uh, it's going to open up that, you know, right now, the easiest thing to grow is a grain mixture. And that's what we've been putting on, um, you know, but as we move forward, we can look at some clover plots. We can look at some brassica plots, you know, just getting a little more diversity out there. Um, so, it, again, it takes time, and but then we can give, um, as, as I had a landowner tell me yesterday, we can set it up as like the old country buffet. They have a little <laughs> bit to eat everywhere. And uh, instead of just one source of, yes. of food, you know, we, we can start diversifying your plots as, you know, which next year I think is going to be the goal that we start to get them, you know, more different types of food. And then you talk about nutrition as well, um, having it on versus it just being a fall plot. If we can get some clover plots and stuff on there that are, on there all year round from spring to fall that they have good nutrition. Yep. So, yeah. And the plan, you know, doing the plan in 2020 has now led to Trent to where he is today, you know, and Joe, you doing the food plots. Um, it just takes time to be able to get this, these things established. And, and I think you're kind of on the long-term mindset totally. of, of doing this. You're in this for the long haul. Yep. And I think that's really critical here and continuing as Mark said, it becomes a labor of love you know, over time, it just becomes a labor and something that almost is more enjoyable than the actual hunting itself. Yeah, exactly. So if, if I could add, um, so our farm is 160 acres and it was pretty much all farmed as row crops. So there is a creek that goes through it and so woods on each side of that creek. And then that was really about it. And 
one of the things that I really loved about working with Kanate is they developed a plan. And so that plan um, has a map on it on where we did plantings, uh, where, where food plots should be. I asked them to put in where should my permanent stands be, where should my bow stands be. They also put in um, uh, how, how to access those stands and which ones to hunt on, on what kind of wind you have out there, which makes a huge difference. But then they also provided all the detail in a very nicely put together um, um, booklet, I'll call it, number of pages long, uh, with gives you sources <coughs> to who to call, uh, who to contact for various parts of, of your plan. And they'll do it for you, too, if you want. So you can do as much as you want on your own or as little as you want because they, they will also do it. And I, I tell you, that, that whole process, uh, um, one of the things they also added um, for me is I wanted to have food plots, the nutrition thing. I think if I have food on my property, I've got water, I've got bedding areas, um, the deer are going to stay there. The turkeys are, are there, uh, and it just gets better and better. I want to grow some pheasants there, too. And back in the day, there was lots of pheasants in that area. And I don't think they are, they're, they're there that much now because we're not providing the nutrition and the food for them. We've got the cover. So I've actually got, I just counted, I think it's 12 or 13 food plots on our property. And we're doing the variety that Joe talked about. We've got some clovers, we do grain, we do corn, uh, and we mix it up every year. We rotate. Um, where, where they're the annual crops, and that's all part of the plan that they put together for us, and so it's 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 very beneficial. Yeah, I think, Trent, you use the term hunt bigger, mm-hmm. and I think that's essentially, Mark, what that means is that by diversifying, as Joe talked about, the, your crops, now instead of three stands, because they're only hitting the clover plots at this time of the year, now you only have three spots to sit, but if those 13 food plots ha- each have a component of what the different type of year, what they're looking for. Now you have 13 spots with 13 different wind directions and all of those, those mm-hmm. factors go into making it just hunt bigger in general. Mm-hmm. Right. And you see that during the year when you're hunting, like on the food plots, you'll see they love this specific thing to, for three weeks and then yeah. they switch. And then, right. so if you can keep them there, mm-hmm. they'll stay. Now feels like a good time to jump into some of the memories, the fun stuff. Tell us about the I, last I, I have some good stories that I think um, I just want to make sure everybody knows how important, it, you know, those who have invited me to take me hunting. Yeah. I started with that. You know, it started when I was a kid with the neighbors, but then when I, but then I fell out of it because, you know, my neighbor friend moved away and, and I went to college. And then I had a college friend who invited me to go hunting in Benson, Minnesota. And... There was 12 guys. I was part of deer camp. I was just there with my buddy. I didn't know any of these dads and grandpas and his cousins, and I was getting to go along. And what kind people. They put me in the best stand. Oh, wow. Nice. And they said, you know, there's a big 12 out there. You better be ready. And I had still not shot in a deer yet. So now I'm in college. I did some bow hunting as a kid, but I still have not yet harvested a deer. And um, that 12-pointer came by. And you're starting to tear up. Well, (laughs) 
I'm not going to blame anybody else, but I, I was the kid who, you know, those first few sits when I did get brought along, it was, here's your shotgun bullets, here's your gun, get up in the stand, right? As I've heard, it's like, okay. So how to, when to raise the gun, be quiet, when to, mm-hmm. all that stuff, I was a total rookie and uh, I blew that shot and fired off a few into the woods as he ran away, <laughs> caught a whole lot of shit from everybody <laughs> at deer camp. And then uh, a day later, shot a, a, a very young uh, male antlerless deer going across the field. So that was my first doe that I, or first deer I ever shot. The so listeners that was couldn't the, figure that out what yeah, it was. That was the, that was the second, uh, yeah, so that was my, uh, my second opportunity was not as good as the first, but I did get one, and I, I still remember it. Uh, that friend has since moved away to Arizona. Then all of a sudden, fast forward to... I work for this company, guy sells the company, he retires, I moved on, we're still friends, he's got land in Cottage Grove. I'm 32 years old, and he says, hey, I'm bow hunting this land, it's 10 minutes from your house, would you be interested? I hadn't bow hunted for 20 years, you know, not since I was 13, 14 years old, and I'm like, this sounds amazing, because the cool thing about bow hunting is, especially if you have access to something close to your house, you can hunt from September 15th to end of December, and I love hunting in December in the snow. I love it. Um, and, uh, and, and, and when you have kids, you don't need one more I'm going away for a week to go hunting kind of hobby in your life, right? <laughs> so, so, I, so this was like, hey, I can go on Saturday morning and be back for brunch at 10 a.m. And yes. When it's ready, Mama's right? happy and everybody's happy, hey, right? And then yeah. you send her a text, is, lunch, is brunch ready? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so then I got to go and, and hunt four or five times a year. But looking back on my life, you know, so now for me, I've had all these people that weren't family. They were just friends that gave me that opportunity to, I mean, I love the outdoors. Anything I can do in the outdoors, I love to golf and fish and hunt and snowmobile, but I just like being outdoors, and, and people gave me that opportunity. So for me, this land is an opportunity to do that for others. So I've had both my nephews up there, my friend Dean and his kids up there, right? And so having it hunt bigger has been, like, the mission because I want to try it. And we're actually adjacent to the Namaji State Forest, which is another 14,000 acres of really thick woods. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, we can eventually start to branch out and start to hunt some of that if we get more and more people that want to get into it, right? So to me, now my kids, here's an, one good story to finish off the year. So my, my oldest is now hooked. Um, and he's the one who I mentioned, you know, shot his first deer with the open sights uh, at Youth Hunt down in Wabasha. So the first big buck off our property since we started this plan, he took. It was a nice nine. Um, and uh, it was very close to the final shooting hours. And I'm not sure his eyes weren't closed when he shot it. <laughs> um, but he did get it. And, and, and through the woods, I hear my, I don't know, 14-year-old kid, Buck! It's a buck! <laughs> After it was down. And so I don't know that he knew exactly what he was even shooting because he had to scream that it was a buck once he found it in the woods. Um, and then to go on, he is the luckiest hunter on the planet because this year he was he was bow hunting. And uh, we can this could be an, an episode on a whole nother time. I've been archery hunter. Now crossbows are a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, my son, who is a great basketball player, good athlete, he doesn't have time to shoot his bow three days a week. So crossbows are something that's giving him comfort and, and confidence that he's going to make a kill shot. And so he took a nice 10-point buck this year. Well, 
here's the story. We're party hunting, you know, two of us out there. He calls me, Dad. He's shaking. Dad, a 10-pointer just came out, and I whacked it. I'm going, okay, awesome. He goes, and then a 12-pointer came out. (laughs) And he goes, and I started reloading my crossbow. Now, this crossbow goes... Click, 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 yeah. click, oh, click, yeah. click, yeah. click, 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 click. And he just stood there the whole time I was loading my crossbow. <laughs> what? Okay. Then what? He goes, then I shot that one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I'm going, okay, my year is over. Right. Thanks, son. I Thank appreciate you. you being a big, you know, hog, you greedy little bat. You know, anyway, we'll leave that. <laughs> so um, uh, turns out after we go and find, he did get the second one. It wasn't a 12, it was a 10, and we found the arrow of the first one, which was a clean arrow and a clean miss. Oh, so the one he did kill was the one that stood there while he cranked the crossbow was back to the reload. Bigger one? And that was the bigger well, one, good. and it ended up being a nice 10. And so you want to talk about luck. Um, I mean, it's a great story, but it's like you are the luckiest kid on the freaking planet. No kidding, yeah. that's great. Um, yep. And so dad hasn't shot a buck yet this year, and so far my son has actually shot two bucks bigger than my biggest buck. So um, it's all about paying it forward. That's the full circle, right? right? I got him. He's hooked now. Uh, Now I got to get my dad on a deer this year. And, uh, and for me, that's, that's as much fun as any of it. And then doing the meat processing on a Sunday and having everybody out to shop and, you know, drinking beers and doing all that too. It's the full circle of the whole process. This is why you do a habitat plan. This is why you do a plan. So, Tom, if you're listening, we can maybe get Papa a deer once. He's going to be pissed probably that we made this a topic on the podcast if he's listening. Sorry, Dad. Maybe he doesn't listen to podcasts. uh, It's been a while, Tom, since I've talked to you. But the point is, is this is you just explained to our listeners why you do a habitat plan. Yeah. All those other things that you talked about, Trent, you know, those memories that you just talked about with your kid, getting that text message on Sunday night from my son this past Sunday. Dad, I, I said, was that you? And in a teenage boy's response, yep. <laughs> and I'm like, and? Yep. I didn't get any details from that. But again, though, you know, and you're hugging in the, in the woods and you're talking about, you know, yep. those memories that you made. Those are things that you can never, ever, ever get back. Yeah, that's you so know, cool. And this is why Joel and I, this is why we're doing what we're doing. This yep. is why Kanadi exists, is what you just explained right there. Yeah, it's awesome. So, so hey, Nate, could I just uh, tell, I got two little mm-hmm. short stories. Yeah, no, we, we're getting to okay, you. All right, so all right. we're getting to okay, you, I'll Mark. You're next. <laughs> but, Trent, I appreciate that, you know, because, again, the emotional connection with land that we have is what you just described to our listeners and why you have a habitat plan. And if you can't afford land, there's programs out there that we at Kanadi can maybe help you get your hands on a 10 acres, on a 15 acres. It doesn't have to be 126 acres connected to the Namaji State Forest. <laughs> you know, I think just so the listeners know, there's every opportunity yeah. out there. Yeah. And so, I love that you touched on community around that because that is such a huge part. I think a lot of people go through that. Either they grow up hunting and then they just don't have land or they don't have friends that hunt and I think that's a big part yeah. of my know, 20s and 30s going. I didn't I didn't hunt at all hardly until it, my friend had invited me again and now I'm 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 all in 
And sooner or later, the hustle and bustle of chasing four kids around is going to turn you into what Mark's got now. So, Mark, what stories and memories <laughs> do you so, have on yours? So I, I think, you know, so much of this, we talk about the land management and doing it for wildlife and all that, but family and friends really make the difference. So I have two little short stories, both with family. One, um, uh, a senior citizen, so that would be my dad, and then one, uh, my son, who's 32. So we'll start with my dad. Um, as I mentioned, he had a stroke and he's in a wheelchair. I think I mentioned that earlier. And so I still get him out turkey hunting and deer hunting every year. Um, so the first year after he had his stroke, sorry, take that back. It was only two years ago. So after we started <coughs> implementing the plan that, that Joe and Nate put together for me, I had dad out there turkey hunting. And the way I get him out turkey hunting is I drive right to the spot where, where he's going to hunt. I take him out of the vehicle, put him in his, help him get into his wheelchair, put a brown blade over the top of him, drive the car or truck and hide it, come back and then hunt with him. And the first year we, uh, uh, two years ago when we did that, we're set up and from a distance, he goes, there's some deer over there. And I put my binocular, binoculars on him. No, Dad, those are turkeys. And there was five toms in a line, how they do that sometime. And they were walking in a line, and we were overlooking a hay field. And they sat down. And they sat down for an hour. And it was m so much fun because every once in a while, every five, ten minutes, one of them would get up and circle the other ones or circle just one of the other ones and then sit back down. And they did that for an hour. It was so fun watching. My dad had a blast watching that. And then they got up all at once and started walking towards us. And I had a Jake decoy out and a hen decoy out. And it looked like they were going to come right in. So I didn't even call. And then they veered off. And I have my dad shooting a, a semi-auto 20-gauge, light kicking, 3-inch with the tungsten shot. And... They're 60 yards out. Range finder says they're 60 yards out. Dad, don't shoot. It's too far. It's too far. It's too far. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and he drilled one. Oh, really? 63 yards. Awesome. Did you test his hearing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he must not have heard you say don't shoot. Oh, no. He heard. <laughs> so, and then, you know, then we high five and we still have coffee in our thermos. So even before I go pick it up, we just pour a cup of coffee for each other and we enjoy the moment. It was something I'll remember you know, the rest of my life. Fantastic. So uh, then to my son, he lives in, in Denver. He comes home every year for deer hunting. Likes the deer hunting part. He loves the community part. So we get together with my cousin and, and his family and my neighbors and their family. There's like 15, 16 of us and a few neighbor, other neighbors. And we'll get together almost every night. And we, we used to take turns making dinner. Now we make our own and get together <laughs> after. But... Uh, he loves that whole part of just being able to be around people who are having a good time and they're all doing it, the things they love to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, two years ago, uh, maybe three now, I have him sitting in on a stand. I don't know if you guys remember. It's kind of in a bad spot. It's before I knew you guys telling me where I should put stands, and it's a permanent stand, there's only one direction where the wind plays right on it, and it's a, it's a straight east wind. 
Is that the one by the skinny food plot in it the is. middle by the sanctuary? <laughs> it yep. is. Yep. We had a yep. chainsaw. We we're going to cut it down when we were out there, but Mark didn't love <laughs> it. It is. No, and I, because that was my dad's stand. I actually built stairs for it and a handrail. So that was, no, that was him. That's what back in the day where, you know, okay, you got your stand, you go to it before you, you didn't even care about wind. That was your stand. That's what you're going to hunt. So I, it was a perfect wind. And uh, I see, I hear Luke shoot and same thing. It was, I, text him was that you yeah that's it and I go, what what and then he calls me and he says a doe came out and then this big buck was chasing it and he drilled the buck on on the run at about 100 yards and it was again running across that hayfield to the west there and um you and so then we didn't know because then it turned around and, and ran into the little willow patch there and well did you get it well i think so i don't know uh, but I, I know I got a good shot at it. So, okay, you stay in your stand. I will, you know, wait an hour, and then I'll f- see if I can find blood. And I did find blood, and I walked in just to the edge of the willow stand, and it was there. And he should have videotaped me because he got the biggest kick. I think I was happier than him. It was his, <laughs> it was his first big buck. And I'm jumping up and down, raising my arms, and, and he comes out. He's really happy too. But, uh, again, another memory that I'll never forget. Those that again, those are the reasons why you guys are 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 our customers, and that's why we do at Kanadi what we do. Exactly what you just explained, and uh, I'm happy, and I know Joe is happy that we've worked with you guys for for the last few years, and look forward to continuing that relationship. Yeah, I think this was great. Thanks for hanging out with us and answering all the questions and going through everything about your property. Um, and if there's anybody that wants to go this route, go ahead and head over to canadiland.com or give us a call and we can start a plan for you. And then we can help you make memories like these two. Yeah. Thank you guys. It's been really fun. Really appreciate it. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks for coming guys. Thank you. Appreciate it.